right. Well, welcome to week two of Unreligious, Undoing Religion in Your Life. If you are new or just stepping into the church for the first time or joining us online, my name is Alex Velarde. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are thrilled that you've joined us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 6. Galatians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 6. Last week, we started this series on religious, and we looked at the first few verses of Galatians. And um, what we learned is that God used the most unlikely person, the most unlikely character to influence the Western world, all of Europe, the British Isles, all in the space of a generation. And by the world's standards, this man should have never embraced Christ because of where he came from. He, was, he came from a place of great influence, um, lots of wealth, incredible education, walked among scholars. He walked among the elite, uh, very religious, didn't have Jesus, but very, very, very religious. And God used this man, we know him as Paul, um, he's also known as Saul, before he got saved, was known as Saul, to write this book that we're studying, the book of Galatians. And um, it, shouldn't have, it should have never made it, okay? Like the, the, the book of Galatians should have never made it into the Holy Scriptures because of Paul, the author, okay? He was not qualified to, to write a book and... and, and this book end up in the the holy scriptures right he was known paul was known to for going door to door hunting down christians even after he gave his life to christ like christians were fearful of paul because they thought that he was just faking it they thought that he was just going to he was just saying that he was a follower of jesus because he wanted to infiltrate the christian circles the christian gatherings and so they thought it was a plot. He persecuted the church. He murdered Christians. And so um, the fact that the book made it into the Bible, that's a, that's a huge deal. And so today we're going to learn something else. We're going to continue with the series, but we're going to learn from Paul that religion does not work. Now, I, I get it. Like every time I say something like that, you're just like, okay, you're a pastor, you're in church, and you're telling me religion does not work. Well, I'll explain. I'll explain what what I'm talking about here in a little bit, um, but, um, you know, this guy writes two-thirds of the New Testament, 13 letters, okay, if I'm not mistaken, 13 letters, and this is a, the only one where he did not say he was thankful to the believers. Like every other letter that he wrote, he would begin by saying how thankful he was for the believers in that city. This letter of Galatians is the only one where he does not say that. He's upset at them because he wants them to know that God did not send his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us to make us religious, okay? And so if you're here today and you're new to this whole thing, this whole thing, this whole idea of Christianity, if you're kind of, if, you're, if you have questions, if you're asking you know, the right questions, you're wondering, you're not 100% sure that there is a God and you're trying to figure this whole thing that we call faith, then, then here, here's what I would say. 
don't have to be religious to be a Christian, okay? So let's go ahead and get into it. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I let God's word speak for itself. It says this, I am astonished. Paul's speaking through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And by the way, if you, like in verse 6, you can almost feel the, the, the tone, right? Like, I cannot believe this. I, this. You're blown, like I am astonished. He says that you're so quickly, like he's upset. It's like, I, I cannot believe that you're so quickly, and then there's that word, deserting, okay? The one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. That word, deserting, is the Greek word, metatithemy, all right? Metatithemy. Can you guys say that with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it one more time, and then we're all going to say it together. Ready? Metatithemy, all right? Ready? You got it? One, two, three, meta. There you go. Tell to the person that's closest to you and tell them, you meta me. All right, go ahead. You meta me. You just insulted them. <laughs> just a joke. Meta me. It means in the process of transporting. All right? So I, let me kind of illustrate it like this. I did something illegal. And I've been, I've been keeping it a secret for several years, and it's time to confess. Some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, you shouldn't do anything illegal. Well, Andrew 17, when he was five, I did something illegal, and I have not told anybody, and I think, you know, don't they say confession's good for the soul? So confession time. Here it is. When Andrew was five, our, our oldest, he's 17, um, Leah had gone to the grocery store, and she took the van, and um, we only had one car seat. And I was working on a project at home, and for those of you who know me, you know I'm not a very patient person, and I needed to run to Home Depot. And I wasn't going to wait for my wife to get back from the grocery store. So I remember I took little Andrew, innocent Andrew, he's no longer innocent, and I took him, and I put him in the back seat, and I strapped him in, and I went to Home Depot, and the whole time on my way to Home Depot, I'm thinking, if I get pulled over, I'm going to get the biggest ticket, okay, because I was transporting, a, at the time, a five-year-old without a car seat, all right? That's exactly what the Galatian people were doing. They were transporting, they were in the process of transporting someone from a place of grace, which they had received in Christ, to a place of bondage, and I'll explain why in, in a minute, all right? So when, when Paul says, you know, I am astonished, I cannot believe it, that you're so quickly deserting, all right? I want you to picture that. You are going to a place, all right, and you, it's not just you by yourself, you're taking some people with you, okay? You're transporting yourself and somebody else to the wrong place, the Galatians, it wasn't that they did not know, okay? They knew what they were doing. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes we mess up and you do things and it's like, oh man, I cannot believe I did that. That was, a, that was dumb. No, no, no. They knew exactly what they were doing and they were just simply switching sides. 
And as Christians, sometimes we do that, right? If you're honest with yourself, sometimes we just go whoop, and we just flip sides. And that's what they were doing. And Paul, only letter of 13 in the New Testament, right? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Like the only plays, only people that he didn't say, I'm thankful for you or whatever, right? Greetings. No, no, no. He says, I'm astonished. I cannot believe it. This blows me away. It's like some of you looking at me you're after the service, you're going to be like, All right, Pastor Alex, I cannot believe. How could you take a five-year-old without a car seat? You know, you're a horrible pastor. <laughs> um, verse 7. He says, I cannot believe it. You're taking them from a place of grace to another gospel, which is really, verse 7, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. Pay attention to that. It's going to come out later. Some people are throwing you into confusion. They're, they're messing you up, basically, he's saying. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 10, if you would look at verse 10. Am I now, Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He says, if I were still, because there was a day and age when Paul, he was Saul at the time, was religious, but didn't have Jesus. He was very religious, and he had joined this sort of um, a cult, if you want to call it that. It was a group of people called the Sanhedrin, and they were going after Christians. And so he says, if I were still, and his goal at the time was to please them, okay? So whatever the Sanhedrin said, boom, he would do it. And so Paul says, he says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ, verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, okay? A different translation puts it like this, in Jewish religion, okay? I like that because it's, it's what we're talking about in this series, religion, undoing religion in your life. And so he says, you've heard of my previous way of life in Jewish religion, Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Verse 14, I was advancing in Jewish religion beyond many of my own age, okay, among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Let's begin with the word of prayer. God, I just just hit the pause button for, for just a moment, and we just ask that you would speak to us, Lord. I pray you remove all distractions, God. I pray that you would help us understand what this, this whole idea of religion versus relationship is about. And God, may we never turn to religion and, and leave faith to the side, God. And I just pray that for the next... 23 minutes, Lord, that you would allow me to communicate your thoughts, that you would untie my tongue, that you would allow us to receive your thoughts, God, and to allow your spirit to penetrate our minds and hearts. And we just dedicate the rest of the service to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I want to I answer two questions, okay? The first question is, is this. I want us to, like, the, the question that I want to answer is, why are people drawn to religion, okay? Like, 
the world's largest gatherings of people usually have something to do with religion. If you don't believe me, look it up. Google, Google it, all right? Uh, I'll give you an example. In India, this last April, there were over 100,000 people gathering for a religious festival. Look at, look at all those people. Isn't that crazy? A hundred in the middle with COVID and with all of the things that we've had, over a hundred million people gathering. I think there's another picture of it, okay? Like, there's no social distancing in any of this, all right? A hundred million people coming together for a Hindu religious festival. It happens every four years. It's called Kum Mela. So the question that I want to answer is, why are people drawn, and this is not the only one, why are people drawn to religion, okay? Here's the second question that I want to ask. We can get rid of the picture. Here's the second question that I would like to ask. What is the problem with religion? So we're in this series called Unreligious, Undoing Religion in Your Life. So we better understand at least what this guy, this crazy guy here on stage is talking about. Why is he telling us to undo religion in our lives? Well, because I really believe that there is something wrong with religion. And I want to answer that question. So number one, why are people drawn to religion? Number two, what's the problem with it? Okay, so if you want to take notes... This will help you remember a little bit longer. You can pull out your phones and, and write some notes. Number one, let's put it on the screen. Good job, guys. Religion provides a system of measurements. Religion provides a system of measurements. Religion says, if I do something wrong, I can, I can make it up by doing something right. In other words, if my, my arms and hands, if, they, if they're like a scale, and I'm doing a lot of bad things, let's say this side represents all of the stuff that I'm not proud of, all the junk that I do, that, you know, when I yell at my kids, or I treat my wife the wrong way, or I have a thought that I don't want to have, and so this side represents all of the bad, okay? Then religion says, if I have a lot of bad stuff in my life, Maybe I need to do a lot of good, so I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to show up to church, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, help the old lady cross the, the street, and hopefully, hopefully my goods will outweigh my bads. Makes, does that make sense? You, are you tracking? It provides a, mesh, a system of measurements, religion. So, so people define Christianity by rules and regulations because it makes them feel good. It makes people feel good. I went to church. Check. Woohoo. Yeah. Right? I wrote my check to the church. Woohoo. Yeah. Provides a system of me. It's I'm making up for all the junk that I've accumulated over the last month. Provides a system of measurement. There's usually two types of religious people. The ones that judge you for being too real and too authentic. You, we've all, we've all, I mean, at least I have. I don't know if you have, but I, I, we, a lot of us have dealt with people that they will judge you because you're too real. Like if you break away from tradition, oh no, all right? So my first church would have fired me if I wore a t-shirt on Sundays. You know that? They would have, I wouldn't have lasted more than a week, okay? Because you had to wear a suit and tie. 
if you broke away, even though I never wore a suit and tie, I hate to wear a suit and tie, all right? But in church, Sunday morning, you better wear your suit and tie. I asked a deacon once if that was, if I could, I mean, it was like, like, I was just wanting to take my tie off, all right? And that was a big no-no, all right? Because it was, I was breaking away from tradition, okay? Uh, by the way, let me just put a little plug. If you come back next week, everybody in attendance, if you want it, you'll get a free t-shirt, all right? So if you're in attendance next week, I bet we'll have like our 930 service is going to be packed next week, all right? <laughs> we have limited quantity. So next week, you want a LifePoint t-shirt, you come back, all right? Um, but... I've heard, I've heard people make statements like, oh, she came wearing that? I've heard that many times in church. They, they use that version of the Bible. I went to a seminary that if you read anything but the King James, you know, the old classical King James, if you read anything but the King James version, oh, man, they would ex they look down upon, upon you. Um, I've heard people say, man, look at them raising their hands. It's all for show. They're just drawing attention to themselves. You know, it's two, two, two types of people that will judge you. The ones that will judge you for being too real, for being authentic, for being who you are. You can't, you know, this is what you wear every day, but you, it's God's day. I've heard it all, right? Like when you're in the ministry for as long as I've been. It's like, yep, I've heard that one too. You know, it's God's day. Well, what about Monday? No, 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 not Monday. Sunday is God's, God's day, you know? I, had, no, I shouldn't go down there, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's all good. I had a preacher that used to say, it's not God's hour, it's God's day. He's talking about Sunday because he wanted people to show up Sunday night, all right? Which I thought it was funny because I always thought, I thought Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday were God's day as well. So we should all be in church. We should just sleep in church, you know? But anyway, that's just my own, my own uh, junk that I have in my life. So you guys, thank you for putting up. Here's the second time a person that judges you. They judge you for being too real, too authentic. And then the, the second one is the one that judges you for not being spiritual or religious enough. All right? So you've experienced them, right? Like they make you feel that you're not that strong. So if you're not weeping over your sins on a daily basis, then it's like you're not, you're just not that, you're not there just yet. Okay? If you're not in the Word like 24 7, Ah, oh, man, you're, you're a slacker, you know, you're backsliding, you know. Like, if you miss one thing in church, it's like, oh, you're, you're no good, you know. You've been, like, praying for a year to invite someone. Maybe you've, you finally have the guts to invite him to our family fall fest, and you're like, yes, they said yes, and you're, you're excited, and you tell your friend, and they're like, oh, I already invited, like, 50 people. I'm, I'm way ahead of you. You've, you've met them, right? The ones that make you feel like you're not enough you're not religious enough usually religion just becomes a comparison trap i had a friend of mine who said religion uses three tools three tools guilt fear and pride and my prayer as a pastor as i was thinking and meditating on that it's like man lord i don't ever want to be a it's very it'll be very easy for me to preach messages that make you feel guilty when you're not here you know to to like it's control it's it's all about control so three tools that religion uses guilt fear pride oh it's okay at least you're not doing what jimmy is doing 
It's a scorekeeper mentality. It gives you a reason to feel better. And so essentially what it does is it ties you up. It binds you. That's what religion... In fact, the root word for religion comes from a, a word that's similar to the word bondage. And the root word to that, to that word actually comes from the word to tie or to bind. And so religion does this. It sets you... You become a prisoner. And that's why Paul, in the same letter that we're, right, that we're studying in chapter 5, look at it, it's on the screen. He says... It is Christ came to, look at it, so Christ has truly set us free. free. Jesus did not come to bind you. He came to, and, and a lot of people, and this is, this is the challenge that we have as a church. People in our world, in our community, they, they because of the track record that we have as Christians, they think if I go to church, I'm going to have to change my whole life. And it's going to be totally different. And I'm going to have to follow all these rules. And there's no, like the Bible says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. These are, these are not my words. This is what God's telling you and he's telling me. Religion binds you. It traps you. Verse 2, Paul says, my, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you... Let yourself be circumcised. So they were dealing with a little bit of an issue. The, there were Gentiles who were becoming Christians, right? And so the, the Jewish believers were saying, in order for you to be one of us, you have to, they were telling the men, you have to have a little surgery. And so when the new members class came, you had a lots, lots of kids and women, but all the men were in the car. It's like, we're not, we're not doing that, <laughs> right? And so Paul speaks to it, and he says, mark my words. I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Verse 3, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, in other words, following the rules and the regulations of the Old Testament, Okay, the old covenant, you, if you're going to keep the one thing, then you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. In other words, it is impossible. The Jews themselves could not keep the law, all of it, you know? For one, they always added to it. But even the Ten Commandments, they couldn't keep that. And so now they're saying, no, but you have to, you Gentiles, you've got you to do this. And they're putting rules on them verse 6 for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised doesn't matter you can throw the rules out the door watch this what is important is expressing is faith, excuse me, what is important is faith expressing itself in, help me out, love. Hey, let me let you in on a little secret. You know what's important? Like if we're, if we're the church that Christ wants us to, to be, you know what's important? Not the rules. What's important is our faith and how we express it in love. 
That's the hardest thing to do. That's when they ask Jesus, Jesus, of all the commandments, which one's the, which was the most important one? What does Jesus do? Let me give you just two, okay? Forget the 600 plus, you know, and all the commentary. Like, let me just kind of narrow it down. Love God, love others. Boom, drops the mic. So number one, religion provides a system of measurement. Here's the number two, religion provides false comfort. False comfort. Oh, my parents are religious, so I'm in. Uh, I, I am. I was baptized as a baby, so I'm good. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I, I, I was. Uh, I, I'm a. I'm a member of such and such a church. I had people in one of the churches that I've pastored that they would call me and they wanted to make sure, like I didn't know them. This is like after years I had been there, and they wanted to make sure they were members in case they died. I would do their funeral, and they just wanted to make sure as long as. And I'm like, it would be nice if I get to know, if you show up every once in a while. I don't have a clue who you are. You know, I didn't say that, you know, but I thought it, you know. And um, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a CEO Christian. You know what that stands for, right? CEO. Christmas, Easter only, all right? I attend church twice a year whether I need it or not. That's what I do. Um, I've always heard that there are three things that provide false comfort. False comfort, three things, drugs, food, and morality. Let me add one more, religion. False comfort, okay? Religion provides a system of measurement. It provides false comfort. Number three, religion brings confusion, brings confusion. So it's not on the screen, but if you look down in your Bibles, verse 7, it says some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert means to twist. Okay? So he says some people are twisting churches. They're notorious for making it so hard for people to come to Christ. And I hope that as a church, that'll never be the case. Like if you ever want to give your life to Christ, I heard just the other, the other day, I heard somebody that didn't want to get baptized because they're still smoking. And I'm like, like you don't get it do you like somewhere along your life you picked up this rule that in order for you to give your life to christ you've got to be perfect show me where that's in the bible and so so this person is thinking i'm going to do it one of these days when i get myself in the proper order and nothing could be further from from the truth and i hope you know theologians sometimes make simple things difficult you know why it's one of those three tools a religion uses pride remember i told you guilt shame pride it's pride when i make something when i when i say something like the greatest compliment you can give me is man your message was a simple message to understand if you tell me that i'll think okay yes i've done a good job theologians like if you want to know like the truth behind like we want to make ourselves look like Man, I, I know the scripture, and I know the Bible, and I'm going to throw out all of these, you know, theological terms so people think that I'm, it's pride. It's pride. If you leave this place and you don't have a clue what we've talked about, what good does that do to anybody, right? And so theologians make, it, make simple things difficult to understand. Uh, we, so we, you guys know, we've been promoting our family fall festival we have over 600 people that have already registered i mean that's a win i'd say man that's that's something to celebrate as a church we want to serve our community we want to love our community but but here's here's 
my heart. And I just want you to understand, okay? We're giving Chick-fil-A for a year. Woo, yeah. It's not for us. I mean, if you win it, that's fantastic, okay? Because everybody will have a chance. But I want you to understand the church, not just Lifeform, but the church as a, like believers, we exist for the world. And so a family fall fest is not for me, right? I'd rather just stay home and enjoy some time with my family. That day, we're going to go and we're going to serve our community. So let me ask you, have you had a chance to invite someone? If you haven't, would you? Would you take a flyer and give it to someone else? You never know. We're, try, we're, we're trying to put like little baby steps. So maybe you can invite someone, develop a little bit of a relationship with them, um, you know, relational equity, get to know them in a non-churchy environment. This is going to be an incredible, incredible day. Fireworks at the end of the day. And so the idea is not for us, but it's just to serve the community. Just a way of saying, look, you know, like this is a baby step. At the end of that, of the fall fest, we're going to hand out a flyer uh, about October 31st. Do you know what, what's, what's, what happens on October 31st? Does anybody know? Halloween. Halloween. So what are we going to do as a church? It's going to be Candy Sunday. Anybody excited? <laughs> candy Sunday. Oh, come on. <laughs> so Candy Sunday. It's not about me. I mean, I do like candy, all right? But the heart behind it is to welcome our community. Halloween, October 31st, happens to be on a Sunday. Okay, God, this is a free gift. If I don't get this one right, man, I got I to gotta be done with the whole ministry, th ministry thing. Like, the only day a year where people leave their homes, take their kids out into the street, and, and community happens is going to be on a Sunday. All right, so we better do something about that. So here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some people that love to have fun. Come, hand out some candy. We're gonna have an ice cream machine. We're gonna have inflatables. We're gonna have we're gonna have our goal for the fall fest, which is October 16th, is a thousand people. Those people, they'll get a flyer. The last thing that happens, they'll get a flyer inviting them to October 31st. I want those people to know you can have fun and still be a Jesus follower. Why is it that we set up all of this, oh, it's Halloween. We don't worship Halloween. No, we don't worship Halloween. I'm going to preach the gospel. And, and what if they're out there instead of in here? It's all good. It's all good. I'd rather preach to, to five people here than and you guys be out there preaching the gospel than, 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 than pack the house with a bunch of people because we are the church and we exist for the world i hope that makes some sense so candy sunday is coming up i hope that you would join us to decorate your car hand out candy love the community for just a few hours now if you want to go deep because sometimes people tell me that a pastor i want to go deep i want to study the scripture i want to go deep if you want to go deep let's rescue people because people don't drown in the shallow let's go deep all right now if you want to go deep in the in the knowledge of God's word, you can go deep too, all right? And then I'll, here's what I encourage you to do. Read on your own, maybe this afternoon, Acts 15, 19. Read the whole, the whole chapter, Acts 15, okay? In Acts chapter 15, verse 19, and it would take too long to tell her the whole story. I only have three minutes left, so I gotta wrap this up. In Acts 15, you have Jesus, you have, excuse me, James, Jesus' brother, 
who says this it is my judgment therefore that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God now go back and, and read the whole thing it's an incredible story but James the brother of Jesus says this is it this is this is what I conclude because there's a huge argument the Gentiles are giving their life to Christ they're following Jesus but they're still you know their way of thinking has changed but they're still hanging on to some of the pagan things that they they were used to and so there's this they're offending the the, the Jewish people that are believers and there's this whole, whole commotion and James the brother of Jesus says I really think that whatever we decide it should we should not make it difficult for these people to turn to God and so that's the heart behind the heartbeat of life when we are the church and we exist for the world i i served at a church where on wednesdays we had um we had prayer meeting at 7 p.m every wednesday prayer meeting i'd give a lesson whatever and our deacons uh, who were some of them were part of the security team um would lock all the doors around the church if you were not there at seven all the doors would be locked and for like two or three months, I had people coming to me like we came to church, but we're just like we love the Bible study. We love prayer meeting. But, you know, we're running a few minutes late and um, we showed up and we door was locked. We couldn't come in and we were knocking for like five minutes and nobody would open the door. And I just, of course, you know, needless to say, I'm no longer at that church. All right. Why do we make it difficult? You know, and so and for months. And I just, it blew my mind, you know. We were so concerned to keeping things safe and keeping everything good over here that we were totally ignoring who was coming in and who may have been a little bit late on a work night, middle of the week. So religion provides a system of measurement, provides false comfort, brings confusion, and the last one focuses on man's work. We're going to ask our worship team to get in place. Religion focuses on man's work. It's spelled... D-O, do. I do this, I do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. He died for us. He paid the price. There's now no longer any condemnation to those who are in Christ. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Christianity, it's God's desire to reach man. I'll close with this. I want to show a picture. So these are nine miners and let's let's leave that picture there for a little bit okay um, nine miners in pennsylvania several years ago they find themselves trapped um trapped in a underground i think it was like 300 feet underground and for 77 hours they were drilling in an abandoned mine shaft and all of a sudden water began to rise they couldn't escape they found a little pocket where there was a oxygen and you have nine, can you imagine, nine people, nine miners in this little pocket, three by 12 for 77 hours. Of course, up above, they're drilling through the bedrock. They're trying to do it, I mean, frantically, you know, 24 hours a day, 24-7, like they're going at it until they, they found him. Man, yes, I mean, that was like huge. We found him. We, we got to them. They're still alive. And then they send this cage, 36 inches, okay, it was a hole, imagine that, all right? And they send it down, and they rescue each one of the miners. They all had to get on that cage, and then 
come up. Of course, I mean, everybody was in tears. Everybody was crying. I mean, so excited. They thought their loved ones were dead. Nine miners, their only hope, a rescue from above. With that in mind, I want you to, for a moment, just close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want you to think of this. Their story is similar to my story. And for some of you, if you're a Jesus follower, it's similar to your story. We're trapped in a deadly situation. We know that sin has created chaos in our world. It's created death and sickness and stress. And the truth is, we're in too deep to get ourselves out. And a lot of times what we do is we put our hope in religion, thinking that it's going to provide a ladder big enough for us to climb out. And the truth is that there is no ladder of human effort, of human goodness, that can get anywhere a perfect, holy God. Our only hope comes from above. God willingly sent his son down this shaft and just like those miners when that cage came down and they open up that little gate every miner had a choice you get on and you live or you stay and you die and in the same way you have a choice today because God has sent his son down that shaft and he's reaching out his hand and he's saying you either grab onto my hand and trust me or you stay and die so what's it going to be I don't know why but we struggle I struggle with it I hang on to things all the time it's easy to preach the message I hung on to you know religion or wealth or self-esteem or fame, or, you know, you, hang, you, you try to grab onto all these things that are meaningless. When Jesus has gone through the trouble, and all you have to do is, okay, Lord, here, here I am. Take me up. And so, how about you? I wonder, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm struggling in some areas of my life. For some of you, it may be salvation. For some of you, it may be a, something you're dealing with in your business. Some of you, it may be something else. How many of you would say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need to trust. I need to hand on. I see your hand. Anyone else? Raise your hand. See that hand. See that hand. Yeah, man, all over the room. Thank you, Lord. You see our hands. You see our hearts. I'll say this. I wasn't sure if I should say it or not, but... In the second service at 11, we're going to have baptisms. Two people couldn't get baptized last week. And we said, man, we'll do whatever it takes. I mean, we're going after thousands, but we'll go after one, too. And so maybe for you, you want to get baptized. And you're like, oh, man, I'm not ready. And maybe God's giving you another chance. And you're like, Pastor, I didn't come prepare. Well, in a few for the 11 o'clock service 
We're going to have baptisms at the beginning of the service, and maybe you're here and God is speaking to you, and we, we're ready for you. We have t-shirts, we have shorts, we have towels, and, and maybe you came to the 930 service because I was going to say those words. It wasn't part of the plan. I just thought of it right before it started. But maybe God is saying, it's time. It's time for you to get baptized. And if that's you, I'd love to, I'd love to know. Is there anybody here today that would you say, Pastor, would you, I want to get baptized today. Would you raise your hand? Is there anybody in the room who'd say, Pastor, I'm struggling with, I see your hand. Come see me. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to get baptized. You can get that done today. Take care of it. Baptism does not save you. What saves you is your relationship with Jesus. If you want to get baptized, I'm not going to push it any harder, but another couple seconds, would you just raise your hand? At 11 is when we're going to do our baptisms, the very beginning of the service. Anyone else? Would you raise your hand? Father, thank you so much that you came to give us life. God, I pray that we would not allow religion to hold us back and to tie us up. May we live in free, in the freedom that you offer us. May we enjoy the grace that Jesus died for. We thank you for it. And I thank you for all the hands that were raised and all the people that are going to get baptized at the 11 o'clock service. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together, church, for those who raised their hand. And let's stand and, and worship.